The title of this evening's talk is, uh, there's a couple of parts to it. The first part is crosstalk, one word, crosstalk, uh, going under it, going over it. So first of all, crosstalk, I'm using that word to refer to several things. One is the crosstalk that we may be watching between two people going back and forth. I like this. I like this. I don't like that. I don't know why you like that. I don't know why you're in favor of that. Don't you think, have you considered this? We considered that back and forth, back and forth, you know, like this. And you might be part of that. If you're part of it, you either might, might be very active telling somebody something, or you might be very uh, receptive and just receiving a lot. In any case, there's some kind of crosstalk going on all the time. If you're just receiving, then you might be just listening to someone and having thought patterns about what they're saying. You might even not even be listening to what they're saying. You might be looking at how homely they are or how beautiful they are or how you wish you had a hairdo like that. Could be any of that. Could be any kind of compliment, uh, commentary on anything, on what they're saying, on what you think about what they're saying, on what you think they might be thinking about what you've just been saying. It's very complicated and very many players. And you know, we also do this with ourselves. We actually have these little mini conversations with ourselves. It's called uh, just conflict, conflicting thoughts, not being able to make up our mind about something because the, the evidence from both sides, from this side or this or that, or should I or shouldn't I, or should I do this? I shouldn't have said that. I should have said this. Quite tiring. So lots of different levels and kinds and styles of this uh, chatter going on. And sometimes it seems if it's a real high level with lots of uh, uh, insights and a lot of uh, uh, sophisticated concepts and so on, it can seem quite a bit like uh, intelligent communication about this or that. So we're not discounting all kinds of uh, crosstalk. But when the crosstalk gets very confusing and is contributing to our situation, when we're trying to express something and the other person is having a conversation, either be it two-way or one-way or whatever, with us, and you can see that what they're saying to you is meant, intended for you, but you can see that they don't really understand your end of it. They have no idea, and so they're, therefore they're talking about what? Their idea of you. And if this is uh, like, well, if you're your mom and dad, then there's not much you can do about it except what? Just receive and maybe occasionally when there's a little opening and you see there might be some, if I, they might ask you a question, you know, then you might be able to say something. But even that is usually qualified by there's only a certain narrow area that they're going to accept any kind of response because they already have everything figured out about what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, what you should be thinking, what you shouldn't be thinking based on their own limited information and their own lack of any kind of uh, training. So the kind that we have ourselves when we're distressed about something is very similar to the kind that we have with someone else when we're distressed about what's happening between, between me and my girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, brother, sister, all of that, uh, all those structures, and they're made even more intense by maybe a lot of intimacy, uh, not just a traditional kind, but the, the kind where we're uh, 
being uh, being plagued by uh, the family ties that we have. You know, strong family tie, like if your mom, your dad, or someone close to you is really upset with you about something, it doesn't like some next door neighbor. It's like it's just, it's just loaded. You just you're never going to be able to get away from them. I mean, you could, but you know something about blood relation is pretty strong. So crosstalk, lots of difference. We can talk about that. I hope you'll have questions about that. And the two approaches I want to bring up, uh, just recently named this or talk about this in this way, uh, because uh, I've noticed that this is something I've kind of been doing and didn't have a name for it. So then I thought, well, maybe this is kind of a meditation in action, which I don't usually talk about too much. Usually I say, um, this is meditation in action sit down, hold still, and develop the very subtle kind of action that just watches what's happening. Very subtle action. It is an action to sit here and have a negative emotion or thought or memory or something occur and have an action that just observes it, doesn't accept it, that's extra. Doesn't reject it, that's extra. And doesn't look away, that's looking away. It just Then it has its own kind of... Uh, trajectory based on the causes and conditions that got it to erupt in the first place. So um, this has some echoes of some other talks that I've given where I talk about moving from the gut up into the heart and from the head down into the heart. Perhaps you heard that talk. This is a little bit different. What I'm saying is uh, when you're caught up in this situation rather than rejecting it, include or move down into your five sense consciousnesses. When there is a lot of crosstalk, intellectual, conceptual, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be, it should be. This is why I think this way. This is why this shouldn't happen. What If I do this, what will they think? Uh, I don't care what they think. Yes, I do care what they think, but how can I not care what they think? You know what I'm talking about. I can go on and on here and end up with a real soap opera after a while. So what I'm saying is the uh, approach to that could be, if, if this resonates with you, this may not work for anybody. Um, when I say work, I'm just talking about having some way of, of working with that kind of uh, activity that is uh, not warlike and is not uh, particularly, particularly manipulative, but also addresses it in a way that uh, will uh, bring up the level of awareness about that rather than tamp it down or cover it up or go to war with it. So. Moving the aware, some of the awareness from the crosstalk or from the confusion or from the, the complicated uh, two-way, three-way, four-way rhetoric that's going back and forth that could be disruptive. It could be just you sitting in a coffee shop worrying about something. Have you noticed how many personalities are going on there? Well, when those get really intense, we call this what, Rob, schizophrenia? I don't know what you call it. If it gets really bad and you start actually thinking there is someone else, then it's psychosis. Um, so, technical words, in Buddhism, we just call it uh, delusion. So, a way to work with it without avoiding it, without shutting down on it, is include, drop some of that awareness down uh, into your sense field, into how this feels. Very grounding, just drop down into the earth, that, into your body, uh, into how this feels, into, into your uh, five sense consciousnesses. Uh, into just a sense of gravity is a pretty strong one. Just when you're in the middle of something and just a sense, include that sense. 
you're not totally abandoning the crosstalk, but you're you're including something that is more has some uh, the fancy word is gravitas. Uh, it's gravity. You know, it's like stuff that really weighs a lot. And there you are. You're sitting on the ground. Gravity's pulling you down, and that has a lot more actual validity. You want proof for something? That has a lot more validity than the abstractions that are happening in our head that are based on hope and fear, passion, aggression, ignorance, and are just always spinning around looking for an enemy, looking for a friend, for that matter. So we can, we can respond to questions about this, but the, the other one I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, going above, not going down below, but going above. I'm not sure how I said it in the title of the talk, but... Do, over it and under it. So to go over it is to go as a traditional teaching here and in, uh, in of uh, Atisha's seven points of mind training in the portion on relative bodhicitta, or no, absolute bodhicitta, or absolute, uh, uh, the absolute mind of awakening, not the relative mind, but the absolute mind of awakening is to rest in the nature of alia. Rest in the nature of the alia. Rest in the deep, deep nature of the, just the nature of consciousness not in the objects of consciousness. And that takes some time because it starts out as a concept. We have to kind of study that. We have to kind of understand what those different consciousnesses are. It takes a while. Uh, well, the way I would say, if you want to know how that feels, it's a, it's a, it's a, a not-know feeling. Whereas how my clothes feel is a knowing feeling. I know that I have a robot. I know that I have kneecaps. I know this. I don't need anybody to come and say, you know, yes, you are in a human body. I don't need any second opinion on that. So it's very, very self-affirming, um, you could say. Whereas resting in the nature of alia or going above the crosstalk is, without abandoning it, is to include the complete open spaciousness of the mind. The ego does not care for this. The ego will... Uh, it will start having some crosstalk there that might sound a little bit like uh, you're too spaced out. You need to think about this. You need to come down to earth. You need to, you need to, you need to. Whereas resting in the nature of Alia is resting in your Buddha nature. Your Buddha nature is already the case. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to invent it. You may have to realize it. You may have to see that it's, uh, as it is sometimes said in the, the different traditions, one of them is, uh, Buddha in the palm of your hand. This is like saying the Buddha's here. It's not some guy that lived 2,500 years ago. Uh, 2,500 years ago, the Buddha was in the palm of his hand. Uh, the, it's just a way of saying it's just immediate. And uh, the teacher, I was talking to Ando over in, uh, in Great Britain today, and she was talking about her connection with uh, Banke. I think it's Banke Taku. Banke was a, I think, 17th century monk who basically had a huge following. Thousands of people were quite uh, in love with him. And his teaching was uh, just rest on the nature of Buddha. Just stay in your Buddha mind. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do anything. Just stay in your original Buddha mind. Well, this was quite popular with the, the various uh, people of that uh, uh, century. So he had a lot of people that uh, traipsed around after him. And there is a book... Uh, by him uh, called, uh, I think it's called The Unborn, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's, uh, I don't know who publishes that, but it's very good. So, and basically he's just saying, th this is already it, just rest. 
just rest. It's not about really abandoning anything so much. It's just including the open spaciousness, the alia. The alia vijnana means uh, uh, storehouse consciousness. So if you get if we get caught up in the, the discursive thought that's going back and forth uh, in the crosstalk, where you, this thought interrupts that thought, and this this then this takes over, and then we we whether it's between two people, it can happen that way. It can you can watch two people do that. You can be involved. You can be one of the ends of that dynamic, and you can also do it inside your own uh, consciousness, arguing with yourself. It quite often is expressed like, "I don't know what to do." I rarely say that. Because I think that all the time. I just don't say it because I don't want to be embarrassed. Because I'm supposed to know what to do. Questions at this time would be good. You mentioned resting in the nature of consciousness. What is the nature of consciousness? Alia. Alia, the Vijnana is actually the, the nature of consciousness. In that case, it's Jnana or wisdom. So it's just wet resting in your wisdom mind. Just resting in uh, a, a not knowing or a not grasping or a not no, no kind of procession going back and forth about anything, no no cranking up of any thoughts, but no abandoning any thoughts either. So we aren't leaving our thought patterns, so we can not think and just be in some kind of a blissful state. What is the alia? Uh, alia means uh, storehouse or storage area or a place where things are kept. So, and just uh, to go off in that area uh, is, it's just a, a conceptual way of talking about an aspect of the mind where things are, seem to be collected. There's no plus or minus there. There's no good and evil. There's no, there's just uh, the technical word uh, is uh, vasanas or the habit energy. Anytime we're doing anything here, whatever it may be, some of that energy uh, it seems to float up. Sometimes it's called perfumed. It seems to float up into this storage area. So to rest in the nature of that, you may or may not be in some kind of a, there may not be some kind of credential. Yes, I, finally, I, I used to not be able to rest in the nature of Alia. Now I do it all the time. No problem. So it's not that kind of a thing particularly. More, it's more of encouraging you to rise up, rise up, to use a direction, rise up out of that crosstalk without abandoning it. So include some of the openness. Actually, uh, get some uh, um, get some air into that situation so it isn't quite so claustrophobic. Yes. Does it actually feel restful? Yes. But ego mistakens that for confusion or mistakens that for uh, being vulnerable because you don't know what to do. And so uh, you're, you're actually allowing that to happen. Whereas the ego mind that starts to get panic will immediately fill it up full of panicky thoughts about what should be, what shouldn't be, what I need to do. Uh, I can't go on this way. Um, sometimes, I, sometimes people just continue to, to fill up uh, that space without just this is what we're training to do. We come in here and we sit down and we're training ourselves to just see, you could say, or witness or understand or be clear about the space in which things occur. Yes? Would realizing that state be nirvana? Uh, if the realization was, was complete, if there wasn't any 
forward or backwards, if all the gears were pretty much shot out of your ego, then perhaps nirvana just means cessation. And it's the cessation of, of any kind of uh, dilemma. <coughs> if we are in, if we notice some panicky thoughts yes. arise, is there a way to recognize the restfulness without pushing down the panicky thoughts? There is. Just knowing about this and just knowing that those those panicky thoughts need to be respected. Not They're, they're coming out of some kind of causes and conditions called um, relative truth. They're coming out of uh, dependent origination. The very One of the first teachings of the Buddha is everything is dependently arisen. So those panicky thoughts also have their source of causes and conditions that cause them to come up. So I sometimes say it this way, uh, when it was the first of the uh, 10 grave precepts, the first one is uh, not to kill. So you can practice on not killing your thought patterns because they, they want to live too. They have a, a, a mother and a father. And everything is, is, comes together and comes out of relative situation. So just allow it to be there. If it's, if it's meant to be there, if it needs to be there, it will find its own oxygen source, but you shouldn't smother it. You should allow it to come up. And that's a place where you can actually practice generosity. You can practice compassion on your own thought patterns, because if you can't be, if you can't make friends with yourself and be kind to yourself, you're going to have a lot of trouble when the least little uh, problem is uh, comes your way in the form of another person being upset with you. When somebody's upset with you, this is your opportunity not to give in to cave, to be a loser. It's uh, your op opportunity to just allow things to be what they are without any addition. This means no, not even if there's negativity comes up, just do nothing with it. Don't even say, there I go again. Don't, don't, don't even say, I shouldn't be thinking that. I need to be nicer. Don't lecture yourself at all. Whatever rises is exactly what you need to see, including neurotic patterns. Shoto. Can you include without manipulating? Yes. What does that look like? If something is arising, just don't do anything with it. That's including. If it's something is arising, like if a bird flies by, don't do anything with it. You can watch it. Don't Manipulating is when you try to get it to have a certain kind of way of arising. Or go away and I'll, I'll let you in later, but right now I'm busy. Go ahead. When does including become passionate? It can start out that way, but the passion eventually goes away. This doesn't mean you don't enjoy a painting or, or love listening to music. I'm not saying that. More? Thank you. Yes. Um, Dallas from Athens has two questions. His first one, what do you call the uncomfortable feeling that you get when you approach this kind of mindfulness? Uh, fear. And his second question, can nirvana come and go? Nirvana is already the case, so no, it doesn't do anything. You, me, I, we just cover it up. From the time you were born, you've been covering up the ultimate validity of your Buddha nature. Actual, an actual consciousness and awareness that is that has, uh, as where the warfare has all come to an end, is completely fearless. It's not a, it's it's not attached or unattached from anything, so it's it's fearless. So if you're, if it's time to die. It's time to die. Time to live. It's time to live. Time to eat cheesecake. I'll take two pieces, please. <laughs> you know, it's it's a very simple kind of uh, situation where you don't have to live up to some kind of 
no, no, I'm only going to have one piece of cheesecake. I have to be disciplined about this. No, two. <laughs> so it's a kind of uh, a freedom that is not following any kind of, uh, uh, even though the precepts are there, they are to be observed and not followed. And this is a misunderstanding that Buddhists in our uh, country have a big uh, issue with precepts because they get freaked out when somebody abuses somebody else or and so suddenly they want to lock down in these precepts and everybody uh, swear to God they're never going to harm anybody again. It's ridiculous. Yes. Cody. Uh, you said that like some of our habit energies perfume the alia. So if you're in the alia, can you sense that perfuming? Or you might. Probably not, because there's so much uh, attachment and grounding in the physical form when we're embodied in this uh, very low frequency realm we call uh, uh, a living being. It's a very low frequency, so that area probably there's not going to be a lot of sensitivity there. But you can still, you know about it, and you can you can relate to it. You may or may not. I don't know. You're a Pisces, so maybe you can do that. <laughs> uh, so how, how do you move into that space? You said it started as just a concept. So yeah. how would you move beyond that concept just into a space like that? See, you can begin, that's a good question. So you can be, begin by looking at the crosstalk itself and notice the space that is already there in the crosstalk. So you're actually looking at it, and this is the way you drop some of that awareness out of the crosstalk into your sense fields grounding yourself so you're grounded so you might be still be dealing with difficult emotional things going on in your head but you're also you're also aware that you're sitting in a chair you're aware that you're in a room you're aware that there are birds chirping outside the window you're aware that rain is hitting the window pane awareness awareness and that also that 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 space in between the the thought patterns the words and everything is that is the alia i mean it's 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 identical in the sense that it's openness it's space more. Good. <laughs> David. When uh, you're resting the alia and uh, there's, is there dependent origination meeting that? Or is that, how do those two go together? The, when the alia is, is, is loaded up and is being perfumed by all the activities that we're doing here, anytime you accept, reject, anytime you take what is arising, and modify it. That's going up into the alia. This is just a way of talking about it. We don't know, probably nothing's happening at all. But it's a way that we as human beings can relate to trying to look at how consciousness works. This is why we've broken it down into eight, the five sense fields, the sixth and the seventh of the thinking process, and the, and the eighth of the kind of storehouse or some kind of universal memory that's going on. So yes, there's, there's causes and conditions, plus and minus are happening all over the place. And it is uh, the, one of the traditional ways to talk about, to use the alia to talk about the nature of realization is to say that when one realizes that there is a, a turning around, I'm not sure what's doing the turning, but turning around at the basis of consciousness. So the alia no longer functions as, as a, a problem, as things coming out of that that are, some even say it's emptied out. I don't know that if it's emptied out or not. I just think uh, think uh, think that it's just all that just becomes uh, neither real nor unreal. Not two. Yes. Is our thinking that we're modifying the modifying? Is that what you're thinking? Modifying the modifying. 
is our thinking that we're modifying the modifying. Well, it can yes, it can get several layers. We're thinking about what somebody's thinking about we're thinking. And then we start thinking about what we're thinking about somebody's what somebody's thinking about what we're thinking about what they're thinking. We actually do that. If you trace it in your own thought patterns, you can see that you're actually thinking about what other people are thinking. You actually think you can know that. We do it all the time. People are just in casual conversation in the coffee shop or at the kitchen table. We're talking about Bill who lives next door. Well, you know what Bill thinks. The person barely knows what they think, and yet they're going to comment on the fellow next door mowing lawn. But we really don't know what we don't even know what thoughts are we kind of know what they do they get in the way they clog things up they haunt us they give us problems they create hopes and fears because we uh we believe our thoughts what i say is don't believe them don't disbelieve them do nothing with them just this rest on the nature of alia or don't abandon your sense consciousnesses the sense fields just this just this the, the, the illusion that this leads to that is just that, it's an illusion. And the illusion that there was somewhere that was that is, not, that is no longer is also an illusion. It's also called impermanence, yes. Is there modifying? Pardon me? Is there modifying? Mm, probably somewhat. Who's doing that? I, I don't think there's a strong identity. There could be, but there doesn't have to be somebody. For something to happen, there doesn't have to be some somebody behind that making that happen go ahead oh <laughs> you lucked out there could you explain a little bit about right intention so right intention um i think it's just being being genuine and having uh, having an intention to be to not cause harm and to be of help and to not obstruct anything, including one's own um, mind or thought patterns. Uh, you know, I think there's lots of ways of talking about that, but that's the way I understand it. That it's right, it comes from the Sanskrit word samyak, which means complete or thorough. In other words, it's considering everything, considering all the, the lightest shades and the darkest shades of that situation, including all of that, therefore it's right. It may not be right to someone, someone else watching what you're doing with your life, they may think, wait a minute, you shouldn't, that's not right, you shouldn't be doing that. And, uh, but anytime you, you have an opinion about somebody else's activity, you're probably mistaken. There's no way you can, you can understand, if we don't even understand who we are, what we're doing, and yet we're able to look across the room and see somebody else uh, with their apparent clarity or their apparent confusion, which quite often look the same, and judge them in any way, it's just more confusion. This doesn't mean we can't go the other way and say, oh, does that mean that if, if somebody murders somebody that we can't judge them? Or, no, we're not going that far. Just saying the idea here is just to bring one's awareness to really see how much can you really know when someone does something that is really, uh, really difficult or really hurtful or they're quite often somebody who does something that is directly hurtful to you or creating a lot of crosstalk in your mind about they shouldn't be doing that, I shouldn't be doing that, I need to do something about what they said, I can't let them get away with that. But then again, I have to be considerate, but I don't have to be considerate because this is just too much and I have to put up with this. And then we ask our friends what they think, and no, I wouldn't put up with that. And, uh, and then somebody else might say, well, you know, you need to understand what they're dealing with. And then, we, then now, now we're even more spinning around because we've got two friends that are 
having opposing views, crosstalk. And so it uh, seems to be necessary to find this uh, out for ourselves, to find out fundamentally what is true. And the other thing I would say is, and I think this is very important, this comes back to bodhicitta or the mind of awakening. Be kind, be kind, be, be considerate of others, especially people who seem to be having difficulty and maybe even the difficulty that is sometimes coming around and seems to be some kind of deliberate aggression towards you personally. And it may be, but it's coming out of their lack of understanding and not out of you being uh, to blame for something. They, they, they don't, people, when they do things, even the, some of the very difficult things we see uh, out there, um, and I'm not going to go down the laundry list, but they're all over the place. And we see that, remember that causes and conditions, a dependent origination is the, the teaching of the Buddha. Everything is dependently arisen. There is no separate thing anywhere. It just looks like it. Is there suffering in understanding? Paraphrase your question. Is one who is clear still suffer? Yes. <clears throat> and there are people who tell you that that's not true. And uh, I would I would say, okay, yes. Does that suffering look any differently than the suffering of someone who's not clear? No. Keep going. Is there a distinction at all? Uh, there's only a distinction if there's a distinctor. <laughs> you asked for it. It's all about the identity. If there's no identity, then everything is still here. There's still dog poop. And there's still difficulty and there's still success and failure. It's just not happening to a self. It's not happening to a solid individual entity that needs to advance itself, protect itself, justify itself, condemn himself or herself, their self. More? Yes. Does this self have to always be realized? Or can... Where in the hell are you people coming up with these questions? <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Ask me that again. Well, um, Does the self have to always be realized? I didn't say anything. Well, you well, guys showed up. I came in to give you a talk. <laughs> I, know what, I know what you're saying. Paraphrase yourself a little bit. If one is realized. One realized, got it. They don't always have to, they can go on through their life as long as they use awareness, correct? Question. The whole correct and incorrect is beside the point. And realization, uh, there, as it says in the Diamond Sutra, the Heart Sutra, all of these, go back and read, go back and read the Diamond Sutra uh, 15 or 20,000 times. Read it a hundred times and read it fast, read it slow and look at what's being said there. Uh, can anybody quote a line of that? I can paraphrase it. This is true because it's not true. That's what it's saying. It's it's taking relative truth and just shaking it so that you, me, all of us can see that the very grasping at something being real means that it's not real. Yes? What is relative truth? Relative truth is uh, uh, the equality of sameness and difference. Sandokai. It's relative truth. It doesn't mean it's not different but it's the same. But you have to realize both of those, otherwise you will continue to grasp at good things and reject bad things based on your pre presumptions, preconceptions about things. It's quite irritating, yes. With somebody that has an addiction problem, what would you... Addiction problem? Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what, what the same indifference? If 
they don't want to have a drink, it's not the same or different. So I can be very specific about that. If I'm talking to them, if they're a student of mine, they would say, don't drink, don't, don't use, don't do it. You can't do, you're not wired. So you can, some people can do that. Some people can't. Some people meditate. Some people can't meditate. They just won't. You're not going to have the whole world meditating. There's a few of us doing this. What do we have a room full of a dozen, a little more than a dozen people? Some people can do this, but we've got uh, literally millions of people are not going to do this and no interest in this. More, please. So, but to the addiction situation, just whatever that is, don't do that. And then someone else, you know, they they might, it's a totally different thing for them. It's just not, not even the same thing. You know, say if it were alcohol, so one person can drink alcohol, not a big deal. They just, just something else that they do. And another person cannot do that because it, it gets a hold of their nervous system and the way their, their, everything about them is not, it just doesn't work well. So it's not a good thing to do. They shouldn't do it because they go crazy. Yes. Uh, two follow-up questions from Dallas about Nirvana. Uh, first of all, he asks, is Nirvana a condition? No. Is Nirvana a form of vulnerability? Only on the path. Uh, if Nirvana is realized, then there's nothing left to be vulnerable. So on the path, it feels vulnerable. The closer you get to that, you know, the more vulnerable you feel and the more your ego is threatened until it's seen to be unreal. When that happens, then samsara, or the wheel of life and death, and nirvana, or extinction, are not separate. Um, the title of your talk was Crosstalk Under It, Over It. Mm -hmm. um, did I miss the over it part? The over it is resting in the nature of alia. Is to I'm just using a, a direction. So down here is the senses, and up above that, or through the spaces of your thoughts, above that, is to is to rest in that nature to actually realize that it's a, it's like a blue sky. One kind of uh, of uh, awareness is of the earth, relating to the earth, relating to this, relating to the senses, and the other one is relating to the sky, completely open dimension. More. Where did I get the idea that the alia is contaminated? Mm, maybe yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get some Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be selling that at Grammar House. Alia Clorox. <laughs> so you could you could get that idea from the 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 idea that the what comes down out of the alia sometimes is difficult. For instance. If I'm uh, uh, interacting with someone uh, that I'm uh, acquainted with and somehow that person does something that triggers something uh, that is not where I have a reaction, which is way more out of proportion to what happened, I'm having an intense emotional reaction about that, then it's not about that. It's it's the way of talking about it just to say the alia, something in the alia has been triggered or something is, is resonating with this situation. Not the same, but suddenly we are flooded with emotions that aren't coming out of the situation, but yet we may blame this situation. You may blame it. You may project onto it. The, the person can be more or less innocent of what they're doing, and yet you're really upset with them because you're having these intense emotions that that has triggered. A uh, sitting practice of meditation, eventually the, the alia, the, because one is dealing with that over and over. As you sit, you're being flooded by the alia over and over again. 
If you weren't, nothing would happen. You would just sit there and look at the wall. Nothing's going on. Nothing's happening. Some people have that experience. Some people have it for a couple of years before they start to actually get into, shall we say, rough territory. More? I think I need a bottle of Alia Clorox. <laughs> okay. See what I can do. David? If we're seeing uh, crosstalk between two people and we're there and that have energy, well, how does that affect this crosstalk? Or does it? Yes, I think it does. Uh, it, it's again, it's it depends on on what it is and what's being, uh, you know. If some if you get in a heated argument with something with someone that st starts out to be just kind of exchanges of of your own confusion, you know, swapping opinions, which is what most people are doing is uh, swapping opinions. They call it a conversation, but actually, it's just a promotion of of more confusion. Usually, not always. But but the alia could be that some of that could be come out coming out of that storehouse. Yes. Uh, Kozan from Traverse City um, asks, could you say again what crosstalk is? So several levels of that. One is I'm just sitting here and I'll have I could have uh, various aspects of my own consciousness. When you're sitting on the cushion facing the wall. Uh, especially uh, when you first start doing this, a lot of uh, thoughts and comes and go and come and go, and then sometimes they're very positive. Sometimes they come back very negative. Sometimes those interact. Sometimes we have conversations with ourselves about what we, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. You're not going to really realize this unless you probably, unless you do some sitting meditation and realize how completely uh, flooded the consciousness is with thought patterns about this, about that, evaluations. Uh, they're they're intense and they're everywhere and, a lot, and quite often they're filled with passion, with aggression, with ignorance. They're flooded with all kinds of uh, of difficulty. It takes a lot of sitting to 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 be able to address that. You can't really think your way out of confusion because the very nature of thinking, when it's tied up with a strong self-centeredness that's protecting itself or a strong self-centeredness that is advancing itself, uh, all you have to do to all I have to do to see someone's ego is just uh, criticize them the slightest bit or do something that they think is criticism and may not have a reaction, but more than likely you will. So the crosstalk could be a subjective kind of thing going on about life and about, you know, conflicting emotions about the nature of everything, about your life and what you should do, what you shouldn't do, about your the relationships you're having and what you should do about them and shouldn't do about them and, and then that'll change and I should do this and the next day it's no I don't know I can't do that and so it's back and forth back and forth and then it could be uh, between you and someone else where you're doing all the talking and they're not saying much so you're making up things they must be thinking because they're not responding to you crosstalk or you're you're not saying much and they're talking a lot and then uh, you're thinking things about them because there's plenty of time they're filling up the space with your with their words so you have plenty of time to you might even be daydreaming you might be thinking about your trip next week to philadelphia uh, but then you the ego is very clever and it will make sure that the body language looks like you're listening you notice that sure you do you all notice that yeah it's like huh, oh yeah i see what you're saying no you don't let's see what they're saying so but we'll make sure we hear just enough of it so if we're asking a question we're able to respond. How do I know about that? I do it. That's how I know. That's how I know about it.
I can't know about any of this unless I've done it, been through it myself, and possibly I'm still doing it. So there's that crosstalk, crosstalk between two people that you're observing. It's a little bit easier to watch uh, two people on uh, MSNBC talking back and forth and watch the crosstalk and watch that both, even if you agree with one and disagree with the other, both of them are crazy for even engaging in such a crazy activity as talking abstractly about something that they, they are, they're having preconceptions about, intense preconceptions. What happens to the chatter if we're going over or under? It may stay there. It may continue, may have a more clarity about the, the terrain of the chatter. Uh, probably what's going to happen is because you're including what's already here, sense of touch, you're including what's already there, the alia, or the spaciousness of our mind. You're including those. This is uh, what is called in, uh, in several traditions, in the tradition of Ikebana, uh, flower arrangement, uh, joining heaven and earth. So this is where you join heaven and earth. Here's earth, there's heaven. Join it. No more warfare. And, and you, you, you won't know if you, if you do that, you won't really know it as a, a kind of an accomplishment thing because it's a, it's a very process, it's very much like a process as long as there's a living being that is uh, functioning in this way. Good question. Dallas has another follow-up question on Nirvana. He asks, okay. if Nirvana is not a condition or a feeling or experience, what's a good description of it? It's the end of the war, the end of the warfare. It's the end of polarity. It's the end of duality. It's the end of our grasping at this and rejecting that. It's passion, aggression, and ignorance are no longer functioning out of a self. They may be functioning because you're in a, a huge world with a lot of crazy people. So it's still things may be quite uh, a lot of mixing up, but the situation here is, uh, is at rest. I'm not saying this situation is at rest, but the situation where someone has a realization of what this actually is, they're, they're, it's at rest. Unless it's asked to participate in some way, and then it may be perfectly willing to go in and uh, whip the hell out of you at pool. No, I don't play pool. My cousin used to, though, but he's passed on. He's, he's probably playing pool in some other dimension right now. Have a couple minutes, anything? Go ahead. Uh, from Shane out in California. Shane. He asks, what's the difference between thinking and understanding? So thinking is a, could be a series of concepts and ideas and a, about something else. Usually thinking is not about itself so much as it's about some other situation. And understanding is, uh, is uh, receiving. Uh, if you broke down the word into its parts, you would say it's to stand under. So it's just to receive. Sometimes in an uncomfortable situation, if I go to my senses, I feel more uncomfortable. I know, good. It's not about feeling comfortable. Thank you for that question, for that comment. It's not about feeling comfortable. You may feel more, because you're not just defended, you're not defending that artificial me that is always looking for some kind of a cover-up. So go to your senses, and this, this means that maybe to, as far as you're feeling, you're not doing so well, but as far as being genuine and being present, you're there and you're actually alive and you're a living being with nerve endings. You're a woman who is here and present. It's not about convincing anybody of anything else, or it's not about being right. It's not about being wrong. It's, it's, about, it's about complete uh, uh, authentic presence. Another way of saying that is pure appearance, which happens to be your, your Dharma name, I think, isn't it? 
June, 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 something rather, June something. June, shoe, shoe. <laughs> June shoe, pure appearance. And you, you, the reason I gave you that name is because that's already part of your, your, who you are. It's already there. It's just below the surface. Just stop fighting with everything. And how do you do that? You see the way you fight. And how do you see the way you fight? Don't refuse anything that arises in your body, in your senses, any kind of negativity that arises. Don't refuse it. When I say don't refuse it, don't blame someone else for how you're feeling. That's what it's so tempting to do is somebody else is doing this, so therefore I'm feeling bad. But actually, the other people are just, they're spinning around in their own craziness, which looks like they're making sense. And of course, they aren't because they're, they're attached to their self-centeredness and they believe in the solid self and they believe there's a solid world out here and which some people are right and some people are wrong. Just be present, just this, just this, all the time. And it begins to, to the ego mind, it can begin to feel very, very uncomfortable to just be present. That's why we have a Zendo, so that you can train your mind to come back, come back, come back, which you've been doing for a year and a half in here. Yes? When that discomfort is heightened by going to the senses or something else, yes. how can I not jump back into the default of defending myself? Keep it very simple and just watch yourself move to the default. Don't, don't correct that. As soon as you go into correcting, or uh, it's always about awareness. It's always about awareness. It's always about awareness. It's not about going in, using the awareness, and then getting some kind of a, of a scalpel and cutting out the difficulty. And not about getting rid of anything. It's actually not about including anything, but I think include works better than conclude. Don't conclude anything. Let the things need to come together, they will. If they need to separate, they will. Better for me to live, let me live. Better for me to die, let me die. That's something that is said by monks in ancient Tibet. Not something we particularly need to do. But it's 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 about just being genuine and being with whatever's arising. It's difficult. And so that that's why we have a monastery, why we have a Sangha, why we have a representations of the Buddha, why we chant the sutras every day is to, is to get as many reminders as we can of how difficult this path is and how if you're on this path, you're probably meant to be here. Yes? Always watching myself cause harm helpful. Watching yourself cause harm because that's the only way you're going to be able to work with that is to know how you do it. You're going to have to know the way in which you and actually when you say watch myself cause harm, you're, you're coming to conclusions there. So you might have to watch it until you can see that you're actually not really causing it. Not actually. There isn't anyone. Until you realize there isn't anyone, there's always going to be some kind of praise and blame. Praise for doing good and blame for doing bad. Realize who this is. Realize who this is. That's what you're in the process. Everyone here, I'm not saying you wouldn't leave here and never come back and never think about meditation again or Buddhism or or this teaching. But if you're here, you're, you're listening. I'm saying, find out who you are. Find out who you are so there's, so there's no more doubts about, at all about who you are. If you know who you are, then everything just rises and falls away. It's no one's project anymore. Yes? Dallas has a new interpretation of AAA, always about awareness. Okay. Got it. AAA. <laughs> Always about awareness. Did he make that up? I should have said that. <laughs>
Huh? It's crosstalk. You see that? Was he trying to help me with my talk? Or was, yeah. Should I agree with him or disagree? Or should I be concerned about him taking my place? What? Sarah. <laughs> final question. Have a final question anywhere? No? Okay, thank you so much. Once again, would like to remind everybody about our donation boxes along the hallway. Also, donations are accepted online with a debit or credit card. Thank you for your support. May the mayor of this time.